0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. Here to talk all things hockey. Are your hosts Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: It's uh, episodes like this where I ask you guys to remember all the good times that we've had together <laughs> as friends.
0: I hate you so much
1: um because I think I just wasted 5 solid minutes of your life with not only the wrong uh, audio output on uh, the wrong audio input on. So we would have had like quadruple feedback echo with how I was trying to record this. (laughs) And for the first time in, I don't know how long I didn't have our messenger chat open. So I didn't know. And you guys were frantically trying to tell me that something sounded off. And I'm just sitting here humdrum talk, (laughs) literally talking about snow. Like we opened the episode talking about snow, (laughs) the snow. (laughs)
2: You know what, maybe it was a blessing in disguise.
1: <laughs> this is just proof that we really needed a small break, because yeah. that's the fragile state of my brain right now.
2: <laughs> what are we going to talk about today? I don't know, the weather?
1: <laughs> uh, a second attempt, but we I think this one sounds proper. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast, officially in off-season mode and barely surviving, apparently. I'm
2: Ryan Hanna fully embracing toque season and already cold i'm brad crisco
0: and i'm evan on yeah, brand you got, you you know got a little was pause in there i got nothing i have no intros i'm just living life right now just evan
2: that that was evan in mid-season form right there not missing yeah. a beat
1: so um very quickly we said this on the last episode but that was Patreon exclusive for all, so for all of our listeners wondering why there wasn't a you know a midweek episode release for everyone that is because we are scaling back to one episode a week during the off season so we've decided now is the right time to take our uh, annual uh, break um it's not the usual time we take the break that usually happens in like a uh late july through august kind of thing um but obviously the draft coverage went from march until october and then there was free agency right after and then we had to wait for mantha to be signed and then there's this retro reverse jersey thing reverse retro jersey what i can't always mix that up and then after that is when we finally were like okay there's nothing else around nothing really major can happen so for the next little while until hockey starts to kick back up and we don't know when that is we're going to stop trying to predict things um we're going to be still doing two episodes a week but one of them is going to be um patreon exclusive so sundays are going to be our usual broadly released episode like the one you're listening to right now for everyone and the wednesday slash thursday midweek episode is going to be our um usual patreon exclusive topic so that it's going to be you know where we're just kind of off the cuff it's it's more like we pick a topic or a little project or something project stupid way to do it uh explain it um and we go with that so um so that's our plan for the next little while uh we will be coming back to two episodes a week once it makes sense to do so uh but this is just as much for you guys it is as it is for us we want to make sure we're only giving you good content and content that's worthy of a full episode and uh We're tired.
2: (laughs) Well, oh, did, did we time this at a good time and an awful time? So the last, basically since the draft up until a couple of weeks ago with everything that was going on was busy for us. Tons of content covering everything. Like a lot of things in our lives started to get back to normal. And then we're like, yeah, you know what? Let's go to one a week. Right as the region, Waterloo region where we live, Uh, goes into red, which is a new color designation. The province of Ontario is basically we are like inches away from lockdown again. And there are an absolute ton of restrictions in place for the next month. So all my hockey got canceled. Mika's hockey got scaled way back. Uh, My work is dying slowly of boredom because of it. And now I have. More free time than I've had in a long time. And we're scaling back the episodes. But yeah, there's nothing to talk about, nothing to do, other than dig my car out of a few feet of snow every morning for the next few months, I'm sure.
0: It's fun uh having Ryan try to scramble and scrape for what to talk about. That's enjoy that's I enjoy all that quite a bit.
1: Yeah, don't don't bother jumping
2: in there, pal. Just uh watch your good friend suffer. You're the type of pet owner who would buy a hamster and then put his food just outside of his cage and watch him try and scratch and claw (laughs) for it for like 10 minutes before he gave him just a little piece of it, weren't you? No wonder Fred yells at you so much,
0: Evan. (laughs) (laughs) uh, He's not a fan of the closed door um, to my office. He lives by an open door policy, so he will sit outside my office door and just yell at me until I open it. And he'll come in and be like, hmm, okay, never mind. (laughs)
1: That's the worst kind of boss Open doors all the time Well sometimes Fred I just don't want you around
0: Yeah He doesn't trust you He lives a tough life let me tell you
1: Um, on this episode of the Windwheel wheel podcast aside from talking about ourselves we are going to be talking about uh, some pretty uh, significant news in the world of the nhl uh, attempting to return of course there's a now renewed negotiation um, for better for worse between the nhl and nhlpa on uh, in terms of what exactly the parameters are going to be for the um, uh, nhl to try to make a return in january for the You don't want to call it the 2020-2021 season because they're not going to be playing in 2020 in all likelihood. So the 2021 season is what I'll call it now. Um, And if they'll be able to do that on their January 1st target date, which mm, I don't really think that's going to happen. Uh, And then we'll talk about um, some Red Wings uh, news from overseas. Uh, updates on Bergeron, updates on Cider, and then depending on how much time we have left, maybe we'll talk a little bit about um, prospect timelines and things like that before jumping into overtime. Uh, but first, um, the NHL, and we mentioned this I think last episode or a couple episodes ago, um, is now approaching the NHLPA with a want for a renewed discussion on how the Agreed-upon CBA is going to work if the league is to come back in 2021 um, in terms of finances, in terms of contracts, and all the fun stuff like escrow and deferral and proration all that stuff. Uh, And it's poised to be, I think, a lot less smooth than the actual CBA agreement was over the summer. Because let's talk about that for a second. That was like out-of-this-world, Stranger Things, upside-down, bizarre. When the league and the NHLPA managed to come to an agreement that smoothly and that quickly in such a turbulent time. It was necessary and I applaud them for it. And I'm really impressed that they managed to do it because it's what you what needed to happen. But that was so kind of like out of character for both of those groups.
2: Well, nothing's made sense in 2020 thus far. So I guess some things don't make sense. But positively, so... That was nice to a nice reprieve from how everything was surprisingly negative. The rest of the year, um, we figured something. It, it was a little too be good to too good to be true, and here we are now. Yeah. So,
1: the general uh, idea behind that agreement was to offset the lost revenue from the pandemic the uh players would be taking a prorated amount of money for this upcoming season um and in addition to that they were going to be deferring some of their salary so um instead of getting that money now they'd be taking it in a uh over the course of the next few years and that total amount came out to like 28 percent between those two different uh modes of kind of lowering costs for owners so players are, are coming into the season with like a 72%, or I might have the numbers off, um, salary. Uh, in addition, there's stuff about escrow in the last three years of the CBA, blah, blah, blah. I won't get into the nitty gritty. What the NHL has asked the NHLPA to do is to defer even more of their money. So there was initially going to, there was initially fear and backlash that the league was asking for more proration, which means that the players would never get that money back. But they're asking to just to defer more. They're saying, Hey, if you're making five million, instead of taking, uh, the agreed upon, I don't know, uh, four million or 3.8 million, can you take 3.3 and we'll give you, you'll still get that, you know, 500,000, but just down the road, uh, over the next few years. Also, (laughs) instead of the target escrow being like 6% in the last few years of the, the CBA, they want that up to eight to 9%. Quick note on escrow escrow is essentially money taken out of the player's contract held away from all the players just in case they need to make whole with the league to come to the 50 50 um, revenue balance so oftentimes the players don't see a lot of what they lose to escrow um, back and that's gonna probably be the case because the owner's revenue is way way down because people aren't in buildings and hockey is not being played so that's the big boring sum of it all what do you guys make of the league coming to the players and asking them to adjust an already agreed upon document That's that was pretty set in stone with these conditions in mind?
2: So not to stereotype, but generally very wealthy people get wealthy for a couple of reasons. They're ruthless and they're very good at manipulating optics, if that's the right way of phrasing it. So when you hear... They're not asking the players to prorate even more money. They're asking them to defer. You're like, oh, okay, well, that's understandable and hashtag these trying times. We want to give the players their money, but with how things are right now, that will be hard. So can we give it to them when the league's more profitable? And everybody would read that and go, yeah, of course, that makes sense. Like you can nitpick about losing, as you mentioned before we start recording about how, yeah, you want to invest now before the inflate that money now before the inflation kicks in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, it's like, okay, the players are going to get their money. And everybody's like, great. And then you hear the escrow thing and it's like, oh, okay, they're just going to take it from somewhere else. Is essentially what's happening here. Now, there's no way to fully know what the math on this will be because the, la- the sa- wherever the salary cap sits at the last three to five years of this is going to affect how much money comes out in escrow. But it's essentially what the owners are asking to do. It's like, no, 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 we're not taking your money. We're just going to prolong it. Uh, and when we're done paying you this money, Uh, we're going to need you to fill our escrow a little more if you don't mind. So what it all boils down to is in all likelihood, they're still trying to take money from the players. This is just worded way more carefully rather than just, ah, we're going to prorate your money. You're going to get 56% of your salary. It's like, no, no, no full, but no. I'm going to play
1: devil's advocates. Maybe not the right phrasing here, but I'm just going to advocate for the owners for a second. These are, legitimately unprecedented times.
2: Hold on, Are... hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. If we're going to advocate to the uh for the owners, we need the true 1% to do that. Ah. Evan
0: explained <laughs> 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 well, you you explained it perfectly correct. Don't people that rich don't get rich by giving away more money. They they cut the fat as as tight as they can and they get the best deal that they can for themselves. You know, I think things have changed ever so slightly since they agreed upon the original metrics of the contract. Um and I think they're feeling a little bit timid about where this next season's going, so they in the maybe the short-term future of the league, so they want to minimize their cost. And they're going to phrase it in such a way that it doesn't sound that bad. I'm not saying it is bad, but they're trying to, you know, tighten it just a little bit more.
1: So what they're coming in here with is uh, their argument is legitimately our understanding of this virus and this pandemic and how it's going to affect sports from from March to June to August to now. The, the knowledge and understanding of it has changed drastically every step of the way. And as we learn more and more, we realize just how deep rooted these impacts are. We're getting news about vaccines that are going to come out and, you know, it's all good news and it's really promising. But at the same time, you have to consider the, the rollout of that and the timelines of that. Like the general public won't see access to these vaccines provided they continue to go well, probably until this time next year. And that's assuming they all continue to progress well, which they are looking to. There's quite a few that are uh, that are in some very promising stages. But aside from all those technicalities, the frontline workers, um, the especially vulnerable, the people who can pay for it, like the, the general public's going to be really getting these vaccines later. And you might be thinking, right, but the NHL and pro sports leagues will probably pay for their players yeah, maybe if that's allowed, sure. Uh, but the NHL is not worried about that because they've already demonstrated an ability to keep their players relatively safe um, and play these games. They want to get the fans. They want to get the general public uh, in a safer spot so they can get their butts in the seats so they'll open their wallets for them. And that's everything to the owners. They need that gate revenue back. Um, and it's looking like they might not have it or at least in in any meaningful capacity for a lot of next season, if not all of it, depending on where these teams are playing. So yeah, like I don't completely think it's insane. Once you consider the nuance, all of it for the league to come back and say, please, can you help us out a little bit more? Now you add in the the fact that a lot of these owners all are uh, billionaires or billion dollar corporations or multi-billion dollar corporations. You won't see any tears from me and I'm sure not from the players, but you you also can't go into every conversation thinking about that because at some point there does need to be um give and take. So I don't know. I don't know what's fair here. Like they had an agreement and they had their chance to make their case and they agreed upon it in August. So I think that should hold true if anything. But I also don't think the players, the the NHLPA, should look at this and think this is an absolute travesty. This is a stab in the back. This is, you know, this and that. I, I think a lot of this is based on the fact that there's New understanding and longer timelines than
2: people were anticipating. I I think the biggest fallout that's going to come from this isn't going to be short term because, again, we look at this from both sides. We get where they're coming from. Like, I'm not anti-rich people. I, I mean, they're the ones signing the players' checks. The players don't exist as they are without the owners. So you can sit here and go, oh, they're billionaires. Who cares? Take it. Yeah, well, we need them to be happy because they're the ones who make our league function. That's the reality of it. Um, Where the backlash from this is going to come, in my mind, it's going to be down the road. Because whatever comes of this, it's very clear the owners aren't happy. And the fact they're already trying to do this, to me, means the damage is done. Because like you said, they negotiated the terms of what's on paper now months ago. The players said, okay, this is the deal. We'll take this proration. We'll take this deferral and we'll play the season. I would even argue the owners don't really have the excuse of saying, oh, we wrote, we didn't know how bad this pandemic was, Bull. we all knew this was going to be long. And the fact that the vaccines might be distributed, starting to be distributed by next month is way ahead of schedule. Like the world throwing unlimited time and funding at these vaccines really rushed it. And you can't. Tell me that wasn't better than expected news. So in terms of recovery time from the pandemic as a society, it looks like we've actually are going to speed up the process. So the grand point here is the owners are trying to renege on a deal they made. So whether or not the players accept or get anything done with this, I think they will because obviously they want to play and a holdout or a lockout is not going to benefit either side. And I think both sides understand that. And I think especially the owners understand that, hence why they're trying to back out of this deal, at least in some capacity. Where the owners are going to get screwed is the next time they have to negotiate with the NHLPA on anything. The NHLPA is going to play hardball they're gonna be like okay well we are making this contract airtight we are asking for the world you screwed us on the last deal we agreed upon and put on paper we have zero trust that anything we agree upon now is actually going to get held up I don't care if it's pandemic or not and they're just going to use it as a negotiating lever hey remember when we agreed upon this one thing and then you stole millions from our players yeah you're paying up for that now, and that will likely be the next CBA, if we're being honest. So, like I said, short term, I think it's going to cause a bit of a rocky road, because obviously they have to get back to play somehow. But I think on the next CBA, this is going to be a bit of a, I don't know if revenge point for the it, it is going to be the right term for the NHLPA, but they're not going to forget it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like they're negotiating in bad faith, like they ask for one thing and then they're like, well, we kind of now want this, We're Like, Well, we just agreed on this. And, you know, at the end of the day, the owners run a business like an NHL team is a business and they have to assume the risk of lost profits from a bus- as a business. So, if I'm a player, I don't feel bad for the owners at all, and I think the players get all the leverage going forward in any sort of negotiation.
1: Um, a point that was brought up by Pierre Lebrun, which I think is an interesting one, which is that there's likely to be, and, and you kind of said this, Brad, there's likely to be some kind of concession here, um, to some degree. Probably not as much as what the owners are asking, because they're asking for you know, an increase uh, in 16% of deferral, which up from like in addition to the original 10 they asked for and and all that escrow stuff, whatever. They probably won't give them all of that, but they'll probably meet them somewhere that'll help. Uh, But the NHLPA can go the route of what they did with the Olympics, which is, okay, we're going to give you, you're going to give us, uh, we're going to give you this. We want you to give us something as well that you have kind of held back on as a bargaining chip. We want you to, we want to cash in on that. So Olympics has obviously been taken care of for 2022 and 2026 which is china and italy i believe are the next two winter olympics uh, so the nhl players are poised to go i mean <laughs> at least we hope um what if there's something else that they can ask for what if they say you know we want braden holtby's tortoises to have you know worldwide passports or <laughs> ping pong tables for every arena i like genuinely obviously there's something more important for them to be asking for and and i don't know what that is but this could also be an opportunity for um donald fair and um the nhlpa to to leverage something else in the pa's advantage i agree with you guys though i don't love the precedent of going back on a cba because that opens pandora's box and a can of worms that i've just the cba negotiation process is or is already so exhausting for hockey fans i'm just not interested in, in opening that up and making it a all the time you have to be worried about whether or not Hawk is going to come back kind of thing like get it get it done it is what it is if the players want to help out the owners great but it has to be under the understanding that this is under extreme extreme duress and extremely unexpected circumstances and they're going to have to make them whole one way or another like the owners will have to ma- like pay the players back one way or another so we'll wait on news uh, we'll wait on news for that and um obviously it's gonna dictate a lot of when the league is gonna come back. I still think January first is so ambitious. Like that's I it's like really, five
0: weeks away. Yeah. I, I don't how see does how that going. happen logistically with I mean, they won't need as long of a training camp you'd think, because some of them are, well Well there's the teams that didn't play in the playoffs who are, you know, competitive beer leaguers at this point. <laughs>
1: they have absolutely no rust or all of the rust one of the yeah
0: yeah so those teams would be pissed especially teams that could potentially make the playoffs but the other teams are probably in good shape so they're like yeah whatever but yeah like we are five weeks away from what would be a start to the season
2: The seven teams that didn't make the playoffs are getting a whole extra week of training camp, didn't you hear? So that'll surely make up for the fact that the Detroit Red Wings haven't played a competitive hockey game in over eight months. Well, longer, depending on who you ask. Yeah, okay. I shouldn't have used the word competitive.
1: Although I will say the Detroit Lions are going a long way to
2: erase a lot of the pain from the Red Wings season. Or amplifying it, depending on how you feel. Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. And you know what? They haven't even announced how these games are going to be played. They haven't announced, are they doing these like uh hybrid bubbles? They haven't even announced the divisions. Like Greg Wyshinski tweeted out um what he thinks are going to be from like his sources, what he thinks the divisions are going to be. Detroit was in a, back in like a pseudo central division with Chicago, Columbus, Florida, Nashville, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and Tampa. Like, okay, great. That's a lot of fun. And we'll get to that in a second. But is that official? Like what's happening here? Are, is the infrastructure set in place? Do you have the hotels book? Like, do you guys get the vaccine early for the players? What is the 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 mode of operation here? How's this all going to happen? How's it all going to fall into place? And I'm not saying they can't do it. They put it together in short order for the uh, playoffs. But at the same time, five weeks is not a long, uh, is not a, a big period of time to be working with i have to agree i I think january 1st is ambitious i think mid-january is ambitious honestly if they get it off mid-january it'd be impressive
0: and it's not just you know okay we're gonna start and then 40 guys show up to a rink like there's all the equipment there's all the food and all all that prep that goes on before players even step onto the ice that has to be planned and organized and how could someone possibly do that in like a two-week turnaround Unless teams have already sort of you know line, outlined it um, behind the behind the scenes, but like it it would be rushed, and I don't think that's how you should approach it. Um, given what's going on in the world, well, given that a
2: lot of the world has a two-week uh, quarantine protocol for players traveling abroad, what is? What does training camp even look like? If you're starting training camp for hypothetically the Detroit Red Wings a week earlier than the rest, and it's a January 1st start date, that means the Red Wings training camp has to be starting around December 10th, give or take. Which means um, if, again, I know these aren't all perfect examples, but if Michael Rasmussen is coming to training camp, if you know uh, Mo Sider is going to leave Sweden, even though I don't think he can. They have to leave in four days. Like that would be for a December 10th training camp. So yeah, I I think you guys are right. That January 1st seems like a pipe dream at this point, but hey, crazier things have happened. And for all we know, they've got a full plan behind the scenes already in the works. They're just waiting on some government regulation to just sign off on it. I don't know. God knows. Well, it shouldn't take that long for any government officials to sign off on anything. Everything's so stable in the States right now. So, you know, it should be easy. <laughs>
1: oh, man. And all that, like the the infrastructure that Evan talked about to set up a hockey game, like there's so much that goes into it. You also then have to factor in disparities between which arenas are allowed to have fans um, if they're going to have any kind of rapid testing protocol before or after games for pe- for players or fans, to, if they're there, it, obviously this isn't stuff that's unprecedented. In the league, knows how to do these things, but it just takes time to put it in place. Although I guess you're not going to run into um, issues of arena scheduling, like and the NHL usually runs into. Not much is happening right now. I don't think a concert's happening quite. Sometimes only let's think,
0: let's think of the scalpers, everybody. <laughs>
1: We're advocating for billionaires and scalpers on this podcast podcast. Truly? Yeah. Not
2: actually. Well, the Red Wings would have scheduling conflicts if um they do in fact play out of the LCA points this year because the Pistons are going to be starting before the Red Wings do. Oh yeah. That's so team, teams with a shared rank, they they do there's not going to be a lot of overlap there, but they do have to figure it out. Because the NBA is just playing out of their home arenas, from what I understand, right? Except for Toronto. Except for Toronto, they're playing in Tampa, so <laughs>
1: it's like a their Excel spreadsheets must be wild right now. That's all. <laughs> this must be such a pain to track. Anyways, um, that that's like after they agree on the the money stuff and they stop screaming at each other for the money stuff. There's going to be a mad scramble to get this in order, but. Happy it's not me. Looking forward to hearing what it like, what it is. Uh, moving on, uh, we mentioned a little bit about Red Wings overseas. Moritz Sider uh, has not received permission and won't be playing for Germany at the World Juniors.
2: That sucks. Would have been fun to watch him play on the biggest stage again because uh, last year's World Juniors was where the rest of the world, I think, really noticed how good Mo Sider actually is because Germany got put in the group of death and actually performed really well and. Obviously, Sider was the driver behind that. But I, I think this was the right decision. Um, he's going to play better hockey in the SHL. He's going to play a role that's far more similar to what he's going to play in Detroit. Because in Germany, as far as that country's come as a hockey nation, they're still not going to be good. They're still going to be getting absolutely pasted by the Canadas and the Swedens of the world. Um, so Sider doesn't have to play a top pairing defenseman role he has to play as a world beater there and there are some advantages to that but he's getting ready for the NHL leave him in a professional league he's playing the most minutes on his team De- depending on a lot of on who you talk to a lot of people in Sweden tab him as the best player in the entire SHL right now so you kind of don't want to pull him out of that and selfishly i don't think rogla wants to lose him right now because you know they're a competitive team in a competitive league the third best league in the world according to a lot of people you don't want to be losing your best player for a month and a half so uh, as much as it sucks to not put him on the biggest stage in the world uh, it makes more sense that he doesn't go
0: yeah he really has nothing left to prove at the junior level and like you said brad like his, it's better for his development for him to stay where he is instead of getting pounded in the world juniors
1: the it's unfortunate because like selfishly we want to
0: see him play there it's Be nice out. to like actually watch a game in hd of his like rather <laughs> than like what looks like they filmed like with a 1985 camera
1: yeah it looks like a deleted scene from Cloverfield. Every time we catch a, pilot <laughs> <laughs> or a Red Wings player, which is great. Like I, I really there's a few people on Twitter who are doing it, and I really appreciate it because I'd have neither the time nor the uh, waking hours to do so. Um, or sorry, like literal waking hours to do so because of the time difference. So for all of you who are putting out um, overseas uh, hockey clips on Twitter, thank you. Um, and that's fun and good, but yeah, just to be able to pop on. Like TSN or NBC and see like cider playing, see valeno playing or seeing whoever, like it'll be good. It'll be really nice. but no, yeah, like not having cider at the world Juniors, it's purely a selfish fan thing to to be upset about that. and I am like I'm like it's it's a bummer, but it makes sense from the organization. If he went and then he like tore his ACL because some bum from freaking Latvia or whatever just took him out at the knees because they were losing 10 nothing. I don't even know if Latvia's in the world Juniors. I don't think so.
2: We'll say Austria.
1: Yeah, then we'd be pissed and we'd say why they even sent him. So it's the right decision to make. And he is tearing it up in the SHL. It's just like, it would have been a nice holiday gift.
2: I mean, if you want to watch Red Wings prospects at the World Juniors, just watch Team Sweden. I don't think it's physically possible for them to play a shift without a Red Wing being on the ice. So that will solve it. And I th- I'd i be surprised if Master Simone's not playing for the States. I mean, he's a real long shot, but Sabrango's at camp with Team Canada right now, so they might have a Red Wing there. I think Finland might have uh, Emil Viro and definitely Antti Tuomisto there, so we'll, we'll get our fix. It just won't be, you know, the best of our prospects in terms of the best prospect, not named
1: Sp- Lucas Raymond. Yeah, speaking of some of the best of our prospects, one of them got himself into a little bit of hot water. Uh, Berggren, um, you know, made that mistake of cross-checking someone's face, which is generally frowned upon, I believe, in Swedish hockey. Uh, I don't know the rules over in Europe, but they generally don't like that, which I think it's similar in North America. You're, you're usually not allowed to cross-check people in the face unless you're a Dano Chara.
2: Well, maybe that guy that he cross-checked in the face had a frown on, And he was trying to pull a joker and put a smile on his face. It very much didn't work, but, you know, you got to look on the optimistic side. Maybe he was trying to do him a favor.
1: I saw the clip and because, again, it was like a grainy clip or just not like full 1080p or 4K, um, I saw like a kind of check like a, I don't know like it was just a kind of a, a push with his hands on a stick and it was a little high but I was like I don't even think that connected with his face and then I was like oh wait no that was on Berger and that's not Berger and what happens next Ooh, yeah that was a high cross check whether or not he meant to do it like from what I saw I was like that could have just rode up on the guy's stick and that's not what he intended but still if that's the result you did something wrong They've always been heavy on suspensions and, and discipline over in, in Europe. So, yeah, makes sense. Say the three games, try not to do that again. You're way too good to, to be in the press box.
2: He just wants his stat line at the end of the year to be that much more impressive when he wins the SHL scoring title by playing less games than everybody around him. <clears throat> fewer. Oh, piss <laughs> off. <laughs> you have You haven't done the fewer one in a long
1: time. I'll tell you that. I don't. Every listener has the same face that you have right now. I'm sorry, guys. I it's my Evan and I have a pact. Anytime we we get a chance to needle Brad, we have to do it. We uh, we joked that we have a pre podcast uh, video call. Evan and I just to warm ourselves up for an hour
2: before each episode. I mean, I would believe that legitimately because I I showed up in the room three minutes late today, and you were both already in there. I almost had a heart attack. Uh, if it wasn't for the fact that I'm the one who shows up first, almost every other goddamn episode waiting on you guys. Brad, who said that? I understand points? you could be <laughs> in a different link. But that, <laughs> that just seems like more work than Evan's willing to put in. Yeah, 100%. Oh, it's
1: yeah. definitely more work than Evan's willing to put in. Um, okay. So we've talked a little bit about prospects. And so uh, one exercise that I kind of wanted to do was talk a little bit about timelines. Um, maybe we won't do every Red Wings prospect, but we'll move throughout the system and see what realistic timelines would be for uh, current NHL or Red Wings young guns as to when they can make the NHL. So uh, for all of, them. Just all of them at once in two years.
2: Yeah, every single one of them. <laughs>
1: Well, the, I think there's going to be enough roster spots based on who's signed in two years that uh, that might actually work. But
2: Well, if we go three years out, if th- uh, that would mean 18 Red Wings prospects will make the jump. Uh, sorry, you're allowed to carry 23. 21 Red Wings prospects will make the jump at once.
1: But still, Darren Helm will be on the team.
2: Some- don't, 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 <laughs> no. It's not
1: um, funny. I think it was funny. It's not funny. So let's start with the easy one we just got done talk- talking about him uh we want to see more of this guy play when is Moritz Seider going to make the jump to the NHL and I know this is an easy one this is a gimme to start when the SHL season ends you think that his next opportunity he's going to be a full-time NHLer yes any chance and let's assume the AHL kicks back up in a way that works in conjunction with the NHL any chance he filters
2: back up and down or it depends on where the SHL season ends in relation to the NHL trade deadline. That could be the only... I, I think that might be the most likely reason he starts in the AHL because the Red Wings' blue line, as is, is pretty crowded. Um, but that being said, John Merrill's on a one-year contract. Mark Stahl has one year left. Um, Biega has one year. There's a lot of trade candidates there, and I... I doubt they trade all of them, but they're definitely going to trade some of them, which means those roster spots need to be filled. And, you know, guys like Cholosky and Sider make the most sense, especially if those guys are coming over at the right time. And I could even see the NHL understanding the situation right now, actually trying to sync up the trade deadline with the SHL season. So, or at least making sure it's after the SHL season ends or you know, what have you. So I, I mean, he had a fantastic year in the AHL last year, blew away everybody's expectations. And again, the SHL is either the third or fourth best league in the entire world right now, depending who you talk to. And a lot of people believe he is the best player in that league right now. There's no reason he shouldn't get a look in the NHL this year, unless he's injured or dies of exhaustion. Yeah. In my mind, if you're a guy who outperforms every kind of
1: uh, benchmark and metric set for you by pretty much everyone except for the team that drafted you, um, you have to take advantage of that and give him a shot at the NHL. I think he sticks. Uh, agree with you, Brad. Like, it's fair to ask the question, but there's nothing else really more outsider could be doing right now to prove that he belongs, uh, in the NHL, at least as, to give him a really good extended look if he plays like 20 games whenever the 2021 season starts he plays like 20 games and he was really looking to struggle and he's struggling with pace and he's struggling with you know physicality and he can't get that offensive output up he's then yeah you, you put him back down but in from all indicators this is a guy who's going to step up he's already the size of two and a half grown men Um he's already playing really sound mature defense and he's already uh, putting out uh, offense at a clip that we really didn't think was in his wheelhouse right now so i don't think it'll happen but at the very least yeah you're gonna see him giving a shot and a full-time role next season whatever next season is
2: i know you said it hypothetically but you just implied that our six foot four defenseman who hits like a mac truck and is still an elite skater might struggle with physicality and pace
1: yeah, man, I'm, I'm asking the
2: questions for the sake of the exercise. Listen, I don't think... There are many parts of Moe Sider's game that I could that I would bet on will struggle when he first makes the jump to the NHL. I don't think those are going to be two of them. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Again, I agree. <laughs>
1: um, but it, on a halfway serious note, please take what Brad just said and, and take it to heart. There are things that he... In a lot of rookies, I would say 99% of NHL rookies will struggle with the moment they make the jump to the NHL. That doesn't make them weaknesses in their game. It means they're transitioning into the NHL. So uh, That's always just a, a big grain of salt for people who give up on prospects way, way too early. Um, okay, I'm going to jump back to very quickly here, 2017. Michael Rasmussen, this has to be the year he makes it, right?
2: No. Ah, um right. I would hope it's the year he makes it. The Red Wings have a lot of options at forward. A lot. Even once they sell off what appears to be half of them at the trade deadline when you look at the one year contracts at forward between uh who is it? Glenn Denning, Helm, Gagne, Bobby Ryan. Th- there's gonna be a lot a mass exodus at the trade deadline. But you look at the AHL and the prospects who'll be playing in Grand Rapids, there's also going to be a lot there. Like right now, I don't think in most projections, anybody has Giovanni Smith or Taro Hirose penciled into the lineup. Even Adam Ernie's a fringe guy right now. That doesn't include the fact that guys who have been around for a while that haven't fully broken through, like Dominic Turgeon couldn't have a good year. Rasmussen has a lot to work on. He's struggled. Um, his, his first year in the NHL because of the stupid CHL transfer rule he had to play it didn't go well. And then he got hurt again. And then his first year in the AHL was, I'll say, up and down. He missed most of the season with an injury. It looked pretty good um, while he was in the AHL, but definitely didn't have a performance where he was blowing the doors down to the point where he has to go in the NHL. And from the looks of it, the same thing's happening in Austria right now. He's doing fine. I wouldn't say he's played poorly. At least his stats line, his stat line looks Good. You would hope a top end NHL prospect would dominate a league like that, and he's not. Uh, he's one of the better players in it statistically, but he's not dominating. I think there's still a lot of room for him to improve and grow in his game. So, I, depending how the rest of the season in Austria goes for him, I, I think he might come back over and go straight to Grand Rapids. But it's a weird year between... Uh, the pandemic and just how volatile the red wings lineup could be game to game especially around the trade deadline so yeah i really don't know what to expect from him but i i don't think he's anything but a lock but the 21 22 season he damn well better be a full timer or else that's when i'm start i'm going to start floating the b word uh brad yeah yeah it's a, it's a vicious word um
1: the the thing with Michael Rasmussen is, if it's not this year, I think we can take the whole. He's going to be so, like worthy of that pick in some miraculous comeback off the table, right? Like I, I think
2: it's still on the table. Yeah, you don't want to I, remove because he's still so young. He is. Uh, I'm not saying he's a bad player. and I'm not even going to say he's he can't be a good player. I, I, I'm not even saying he won't be a really good player. I, don't, I think ninth overall is above his head at this point, which is saying something because of how tall he is. Um, and especially how some of the prospects that were picked behind him are performing. Um, thankfully for him, it's it's looking to be a pretty weak draft overall. So that will help his expectations at least a little bit from the general fan base. I I don't know. I've... I've not seen enough progression from his game since he's got drafted to get super excited about him maybe being, you know, a second line center power play specialist. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. I hope I'm wrong now. Um, Okay. And
1: I've decided halfway through this what the format is going to be. We've, well, now that we've talked Michael Rasmussen, um, unless Evan has some grand Michael Rasmussen overtures that we haven't heard before. um, I do not. There we go. Uh, we'll do 2018 and then we'll leave it, and we'll do 2019 and 2020 and later on. Um, fair to say, Philip Zedina is already an NHLer. Like that's yeah. Done I,
2: it, so. I I do not even consider him a prospect at this point. Uh, Joe Volano, and I think this is an
1: interesting one because you know. Uh, we're talking about all the Red Wings prospects that are dominating overseas uh, in Sweden. And Joe Valeno, he's had flashes and he's had some moments where he's you know made the Twitter highlight reels and everything. But by no means is he uh, completely tearing it up. And a lot of people are asking questions of, um, is this Joe Valeno struggling at the pro level? And is this something to be concerned about? So how do you think Joe Valeno tracks to, uh, to make the
2: NHL if he does? I'm going to say we'll see him halfway through the 21-22 season. When you look at Joe Valeno's trajectory and how his career's gone thus far, he's a slow burn, but he always gets it. He got the exceptional status in the Q and he had a good rookie season, but I don't think he blew the barn doors off like people thought. And then his second year in the QMJHL was good, but again, not what people expected. And then the third year, it got better but again, not fully where people expected. Hence why we got him at 30th overall and he wasn't a top 10 pick, even though I argued he should have been near a top 10 pick. Anyways, and then the year after that, he just exploded, led the QMJHL in points per game. Um, just just dominated that league. And then the year after, and he made, I should mention, he made the Canadian World Junior Team that year as a depth player he w- he was there but he wasn't contributing a whole hell of a lot the next year he gets promoted to grand rapids and starts slowly very slowly goes to the world juniors he's a leader on that team one of the most important players on the gold winning canadian world junior team okay he got it he understand how the tournament works and his skill shone through and he played well Comes back from the World Juniors, and he's noticeably better in Grand Rapids. Again, not lighting the world on fire, but you can very much see the improvement. So, Valeno is that guy, so far, between the Q, his brief stint in the HL, and his two World Junior appearances, he's gotten it, eventually. Not as quickly as we would like, but he's gotten it. And let's not forget how good he's looked um, in his preseason appearances with the Red Wings as well. Uh, which is a promising sign. So I don't think Valeno's progression is going to be quick, but I think he's going to get there because everywhere he's played, that's been his path.
1: That last point you made is something that's sticking in my head with Valeno. I don't think it's going to be quick, but he'll get there. Uh, The type of play game he plays means that he needs a lot more time to develop mature, adjust the pro level, but the tools are there. If you're expected to be a two-way center that is more than competent at both ends, that's a difficult thing to do. And I'm not saying one-dimensional players or or players with crazy offense have an easier time, but it's really hard to jump into the NHL at the center position and be like very strong defensively and still not skip a beat offensively. Like that's a lot to keep up with all at once. It's a lot to keep up with pace. It's a hard to, to make that skill jump. Obviously, I don't think anyone's predicting this next season, assuming, let's say, we're talking about sixty a 60-game 60 2021 season. I don't think that's when he'll make the NHL full-time. I think we'll see him for a little bit. I'll even go so far as to say we might see him bump up and down for the season after. Maybe he plays between you know 15 and 40 games, but he's not so consistent, and Detroit wants to be pretty conscientious to not Michael Rasmussen him not the same situation obviously but still um but i would expect by 2022 2023 that valeno is a a a permanent fixture on the team if he does make it so optimistically i think 2021 2022 i think giving him still a fair chance but a a longer look down is is the season after is when we see valeno full time
2: yeah that's my prediction
0: yeah i totally agree with that i think Why would you bring in a guy who's a centerman onto this team and you want him to develop? He'll just get destroyed every single game and that would be terrible for his development. So that rules out this year, unless they bring him up for a little stint after the trade deadline or some point next the year after. Once again, it all depends, like everything's gonna change. So yeah There's no rush. There really is no rush with, with Joe Valeno. And I think if they did, that would be a detriment to his development.
1: Uh, moving down the 2018 draft, the next pick for the Red Wings. I really love looking at the 2018 draft because the first three picks have been so great. Uh, uh, Jonathan Berggren, um, quite obviously, what a roller coaster his development path has been. Um, has his incredible performance so far this year moved him into the conversation to come onto the team sooner than we expected?
2: possibly there there's two scenarios that i see playing out in my head for Berggren. again this is all assuming he keeps up what he's doing in the shl and doesn't cool off in the second half And, and and this is who he is and this isn't just like some prolonged hot streak so let me preface it by saying that i could see a reality where he finishes season in the SHL and Shaleftia gets bounced early because they're not a very strong team relative to the rest of the league. And he comes over and finishes the year in Grand Rapids. Cause to me, there's no way Bergeron's going straight to Detroit. I think he, he needs some AHL time, especially for how much, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say how much he plays a perimeter, but for his style of game, the smaller ice is going to be a bigger transition for him than most. So he could come in and and play maybe half the season in Grand Rapids and get a feel for it this year. And if he does well in his audition, then maybe even as soon as next year, he's getting a real legitimate look in Detroit. There will be roster spots available, and he's already been playing pro. The more likely scenario to me is when the SHL season ends this year, his season ends. They may bring him over for a cup of tea in Grand Rapids or whatever, but I I think given his injury history, they might not overplay him. And then for the 21-22 season, he comes over and spends the entire year in Grand Rapids. And then we're looking at him in Detroit for possibly the 22-23 season. That's my most likely scenario, but the everything goes exactly right for him. That could be moved up a year based on how this season finishes yeah it's annoying
1: agreeing with you so much but i think well, i won't repeat everything you just said like it's exactly it you look at realistic timelines still needs time time in grand rapids most likely um it won't happen right now in this upcoming season but right after that sure um but if he continues just you know every game he plays is a barn burner and he's absolutely tearing it up and he just, he just uses that momentum and all of a sudden Stevie one summer says, Hey, I could bring in another Bobby Ryan type, or what I could do is uh, give Jonathan Berggren an earlier look in the NHL. Okay, this guy's producing at a pretty decent clip. We're going to stick him in here. Bam, he's here a year early. But yeah, I think 2022, 2023 is a more realistic timeline. If he comes in sooner, I, I won't be completely you know, mind blown, but it'll be an impressive feat from him. He still has a a long body of work ahead of him to kind of maintain that consistency and show that he can keep this level of play up. But yeah, I, I, if there's a guy to do it, he's definitely one of them in the Red Wings prospect system. Okay. Um, Jared McIsaac is probably the last (laughs) Evan rushing to mute. Oh, Jared. uh, I thought you were laughing at Evan rushing to mute
2: before he sneezed.
0: Oh, that hurt. I think I pulled a muscle.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, trying to project Jared McIsaac right now. Good luck.
1: Trying to project Jared McIsaac right now is like trying to project Jonathan Bergeron a year ago. Or Jared McIsaac a year ago, really.
2: I don't know. Project Jonathan Bergeron and Jared McIsaac a year ago.
1: Yeah, it's not even just when he'll make it. It's if, too. You have to consider the if question here. So I guess this is twofold. Does Jared McIsaac overcome like double detrimental shoulder surgeries or injuries? Um, And if he does, when does he make it?
2: I'm thinking, okay, so he was, how do I put this? His skill set's not the flashiest. So the way McIsaac was going to make the NHL was through a sound defensive game and playing the game smart. Which means how he translates to the next level, he really has to get it before he can jump up. So when he goes to the Q, um, to the AHL, he's not going to be in the AHL for one year. He has to fully understand the pace, the nuances, the everything about playing the pro game and then when he finally gets that he can jump up to the nhl because again he's not fast enough to outskate people in the nhl he doesn't have good enough hands to be able to dangle uh four checkers he doesn't have a big enough offensive mind to be able to quarterback a power play and ride that he needs to be damn near perfect in what his skill set is and the beauty of jared mcaissack is when he's not hurt He's been that throughout his career so far. He has produced. He has been unreal. That's why he went high in the second round. But now you're factoring in major injuries, major development time lost. In fact, he might not play again this year at all. I don't even know if that's been announced. But so if he does go to Grand Rapids next year, he'll be certainly in Grand Rapids the year after that, which means we're not looking at Jared McKessick in the NHL until 2023 at best. That feels optimistic to me at this point.
1: Yeah, we might be looking at a Cholosky timeline. Maybe not the same path, but in terms of you're, you're seeing a young, talented defenseman and you're anxious to get him going. But just because of how things have shaken out for him, this might be taking longer for him to not only make the NHL, but make it and have it stick. The tools are there, but it's going to depend wholly on whether he can get healthy and stay healthy. Um those shoulder injuries can't be too like he they can't be uh become chronic issues throughout his career like you hope it doesn't have it, it won't have had a huge impact on his development it's hard to make it as a young defenseman in the NHL, and that's the reality of it. And if you're not in that, you know, step above that Quinn Hughes, Rasmus Dahlin tier, you're going to have a longer path than a lot of fans uh, want to give. Um, and that's not going to change anything. It's not like Eisman is going to say, oh, fans are impatient. Dennis, sorry. You're no longer going <laughs> to become a Red Wing. But
0: I listened to Bob on Twitter. He's yeah. pissed off.
1: Bob 1799043 with an egg picture. Um who's also, if you go to his mention, is just a reply guy exclusively in female reporters' tweets. Um, Like That's just not how it works. But at the same time, we as fans are probably going to – my projection, like you guys said, is going to be that this is going to be a a longer timeline. He's probably not going to be, I think, at best 23 years old until he
2: makes it. What is he, a 2000 birthday? Yeah. Early? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, he might even be a late birthday. I can't remember. No, I think he's a 2000 birthday. He's March, end of March 2000. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: yeah, I think 2023 is fair. You never know. Maybe he's Bergeron. Maybe he comes back from injury and does, doesn't skip a beat and finally is healthy and, and we see him shine at a level we haven't since you know, pre-draft. Um, and that's, you know, it's fully within the realm of possibility. It's just, <laughs> we've been blessed with Bergeron once. So I don't think we can reasonably count on that again without getting greedy, but two different cases. So who knows? Okay. That's uh 2018 draft prospects. I'm sure we're missing people, um, but we'll talk about them later on. Anyways, for now, uh, we'll jump into overtime. Uh, and we're going to start with patreon uh where our patrons are the reason we are able to continue the show even through the off season so thank you all thank you local winged wheel podcast patron and all new patrons welcome uh wingnut says tinfoil hat theory some of the teams that are clearly over the cap are waiting to see if there's
2: actually going to be a season before trading away assets to get under the cap what do you think i think that's possible I still think the teams that are in a position to acquire said bad contracts are just sitting on their insanely high asking price right now. They're like, no, we we do not need to make this deal. You do. We want a first plus or we want your top two prospects or whatever the hell the asking price is. And they're not coming down. And I think everybody around the league is doing the same thing. So, you know, the Islanders, the Lightning, the Gold Knights, the teams that have to do this are trying to outweight them right now which truthfully from both sides is the right move you'd be if you're tampa you don't want to pay these high prices so why would you wait it out maybe team is like you know what we we need the assets give it to us for x and if you're a team that's acquiring you're like why would i settle now
1: yep I think that's totally fair, and I think even the proposition that's brought forward is very sound as well. Everything's so uncertain. No one's really in a rush to move, so hold station. And Arjun Shanker says, and this is an important question, sup dudes? Uh, Tyler C. says, uh, I hear Brad uh, on his always tired because I have kids complaints, but we just had our second set of twins in September, four kids under four. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <you> my
0: can- <laughs> God. <laughs> ah,
1: what I deity ah. did you piss off <laughs> first of all how congratulations how are you not dead um four little blessings congratulations but my oh heart. wow that
2: yeah, that <laughs> is the best and worst thing I've ever heard in my life um I don't
1: feel sorry for him thank you guys for keeping me sane at times and I look forward to more hockey card box breaks
2: yes we'll be doing another one soon I got two more to go just gotta find time Tuesday maybe uh so i'm trevor, gonna have a lot of time coming up <laughs> uh trevor Pevavar
1: says does canadian money actually smell like maple syrup asking for a friend
2: yes legitimately
1: yes yeah the hundreds do and they are colored like maple syrup no um, they all do they claim it was an accident but they they especially when they're like new like when they they brought these out what was it 2015 the new bills came out or something like that couldn't tell you uh, the plastic ones like Australia has it smells like they smell like maple syrup
0: so my buddy used to work at a coin store and uh, the country that actually invented the those polymer notes was Romania they were the first huh. country to do polymer notes yeah who knew
1: uh, matthew keeler says i'm still disappointed about the adidas practice jerseys yeah they haven't gone over well
0: man oh things we never on social talked media about our episode are, did we like ruthless
1: yeah Yeah. Well, you know what? If anything, I think we've all gone on record saying like we don't love them within the scope of what they were supposed to be. But in a vacuum, like they're fine. Um, But I will be very happy if this pushes the team in the league to go for more adventurous options in the future. Like just because you have a storied history doesn't mean you can't have fun with a jersey. Um, especially because everyone needs money now. The Caminator says Dick Sporting Goods may. Oh, we didn't talk about this because it's not really news, but still, uh, Dick Sporting Goods may have ruined my question with this Larkin captain jersey leak. But my question remains: What would be the strangest way for the Red Wings to announce Larkin as captain, and what would be the worst way to do it? Keep up the good work and keep watching
2: the Mandalorian. Um, they could. The strangest thing would be by, you know, naming anybody but Larkin. <laughs>
0: just an applicator returns through the fog with the c on his jersey
1: Ew. the strangest way it legitimately would be dick's sporting goods like the the league the team never makes an announcement they just dick's sporting goods starts selling the larkin c jersey for those of you who don't know they started stocking the uh reverse retro jersey and um they have a larkin one with a captain c on it so i i my thought is that's just dick sporting good getting ahead of things and making a pretty fair prediction that larkin's going to be captain um i don't really think that the red wings are telling retailers that larkin's going to be captain and that they're just waiting to announce it but if that's the case that's also not out of this world because let's be real larkin's going to be captain for next season uh la plata peak says hey guys players are being asked to defer a lot of money uh possibly for several years there are nuance there's nuance to this um that i haven't seen mentioned in the media so i'm going to bring it up here while normally a deferment like this may just be an annoying aspect for players to consider i think it's a little more than that based on the current state of the world uh took the u.s government from its inception until 96 to accumulate 5 trillion in debt the u.s will add 5 trillion to its debt load in 2020 alone I don't see anything that indicates this type of deficit spending to slow down and eventually this behavior is going to affect the purchasing power of the U.S. dollar and thereby the Canadian as well. If the players agreed to any long-term deferment payment plans that do not include potential inflation considerations, I think they'd be certifiably insane. 100%. This is what we were talking about before the episode. Deferment still sucks because money now is worth more than money later. And if you don't get your money into the markets or an investment to help match that inflation – Your dollar will literally be worth less just kind of sitting, not doing anything in a bank account. If you have a savings account with, you know, interest that's not matching inflation, which I think most people, everyone uh, doesn't have that kind of account. Your money is losing value thanks to inflation. But that's for a uh, Evan Patreon exclusive episode to walk us through that. Alan Snyder says, Brad, since you're a fan of Paris, you might also, also like Tycho, James Young, and Black Mill. More to my taste. Can I suggest, uh, my screen just glitched out. Oh, I never know how to pronounce this. It's Seeger Ross. Is that, how do you say it? S I? No, He's recommending it to me. S-I-G-U-R-R-O-S. I think sure. so. Uh, and Vancouver Sleep Clinic. Happy Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah. If you uh, have sure. trouble sleeping, Vancouver Sleep Clinic. Clinic has some really good uh, mellow songs. I will
2: go to the Patreon and screenshot that list and start working my way through it.
1: Uh, A.J. Voss is, says, As boring as I think the reverse retros are, I'm still going to buy one to support the idea of a Red Wings alternate. If jersey sales aren't as good compared to other teams, you just know the Illiches are going to say, See, our fans hate when we break tradition instead of realizing they put out a subpar jersey. If sales are high, hopefully money talks, and the Illiches will get more open-minded to alternate jerseys. Our home and away are perfect, but I'd love it if we got crazy with alternate jerseys and cycled them like the NBA and other NHL teams do. Or the Red Wings are the only, eh, well, I would have to imagine the two winter classic jerseys sold well. They must have. Yes. Uh, Garrett TV says, Hockey Amigos, if we use FERC in place of, uh, fuck, can we use Abdelkader in place of Masturbator? When are we saying that? What? (laughs) We're never saying that. (laughs) Okay. It'd be a great way to communicate to the average listener some of the ridiculous shay that Brad gets away with saying on the Patreon exclusive episodes. Anyway, the draft grading episode this week was great, but it got me thinking, how do you isolate a guy like Sari Arvi's development from the draft itself? Sure, he failed as a pick, but he was also stuck behind a poor roster, uh, cap and contract management decisions by Holland. Uh, sorry, Harvey failed, but our management also failed him. He's not the only example. Maybe a discussion for future Patreon episodes. Let's go Red Wings.
2: Oh, there's lots of ways prospects fail. And believe me, right now we're seeing a textbook case of how to not develop a prospect. And yet the fan base still doesn't understand that. And we'll dump on Dennis Cholosky every chance they get. Literally, Dennis Cholosky might be the most poorly handled prospect we've had in a long time. So take that for whatever it's worth it seems like in some ways we haven't learned our lessons
0: the up and down in the press box cabana is the the kiss of death for a lot of prospects and even mentally
2: healthy scratching him for his or sending him down before for his hometown game that was like, bad that might be the single biggest dick move i've seen in the red wings organization in 20 years
0: well, Mike Babcock would like to have a word with you.
2: <laughs> yeah. That we've stu- seen. Yeah, there's <laughs> stuff
1: behind closed doors. Uh, Carson says, hey, guys, I'm in search for an Iserman, Littstrom, and Zetterberg jersey to go with my dad, Zouk. I live in Newf- uh, Newfoundland. Newfoundland? Newfoundland? Which one, are you- which one do you guys say?
0: I think yes. it's Newfoundland, right?
1: Newfoundland, yeah.
2: That's how I've always said it
1: uh and there's absolutely no jerseys around just wondering if you guys could help out and recommend uh where to get one that aren't uh outrageously overpriced so our resident jersey expert is rowan he's actually helped us source and even um has generously gifted i don't know i it was a miracle moment where he gave brad a gift um very cool jerseys the 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 barber pole if you're watching on youtube behind brad is from rowan uh he's our jersey expert so he would be able to tell you more but i know ebay is a great place to search you won't have a lot on facebook marketplace around you considering where you are but yeah ebay is your friend here you just have to know what to look for uh evan beckner says hey guys has any nhl team ever pulled off similar to what troy weaver just did with the pistons in the nba draft dude came into day one with one pick and left with four players picked in the top 40 what nhl team is most in need of a troy weaver style draft i say minnesota
2: uh Detroit maybe um Arizona uh, yeah Arizona desperate oh yeah that's the right answer um trying to think Boston ended up with those three first round picks in um 2015 trying to get up into the uh basically the number two pick to get Eichel it failed and then they made the picks and failed um Trying to think Vancouver 99 when they ended up with both the Sedines through some uh, maneuvering. Uh, The Senators seem to pick in the top. The Senators and Islanders seem to have high picks a lot in the 90s and early 2000s. But yeah, no, Boston's the one that comes to mind from 2015. They had one first round pick and walked away with 13, 14, and 15 um lars
1: the prophet of the towering behemoth says plant question what are oh here we go what are your favorite plants mine is pussy toes for sure awesome name huh pussy toes just taste that word what are yours you guys are getting you guys are getting bored
0: i'm not a plant person if i can eat them in some shape or form then that one big parsley guy you know
1: whichever plants i I don't kill whatever is easy to grow i have a tendency to kill them
0: we have some succulents in our house they're all right we got a money tree haven't gotten any money from it but it's all right too just chills
1: <laughs> um sam w says did you see any of the michigan versus wisconsin games this week that overtime goal sure reminded me of larianov's triple ot winner granted larianov went to his backhand earlier instead of the toe drag But both plays seem to stop time for a second. I thought Sam Stang looked uh, sturdy and smart. On a Michigan team with several high-profile draft-eligible players, who would you target for the Red Wings this year?
2: Of all the players on Michigan right now, I would target all of them. Uh, Between Kent Johnson, Owen Power, Luke Hughes, Matt Beneers, they all look fantastic. Highest on my rankings of the four of them right now, Kent Johnson. There's a little teaser for those of you who aren't Patreons and seen my to- haven't seen my top 10 list.
1: Yeah. Uh, if you want to know what you're missing out on, Patreon currently has an uh, episode from last Wednesday, which is uh, grading the last Red Wings draft classes from 2010 to 2019, uh, as well as Brad's uh, preview into 2021 draft rankings. So check that out um okay next question is from ryan Hanna. brand wings and pizza says the edibles cbd have been amazing with the report of more it's not going to either grand rapids or detroit this year uh there are more highs i'm having than just being picked so what do you guys think of the weird moves troy weaver has done for the pistons 17 centers uh wait they just sent one away when i was typing this and to continue my question from a week ago since golf guide didn't participate and you both chose the same answer who is someone you would want to interview no, you can't choose Stevie. Uh Evan, choose um someone free choose someone for Evan Evan to interview um for an all questions you have you want answered style interview.
2: So we're picking someone for Evan to interview. Yeah, who would we want Evan to interview? Who would be interesting for him to talk to? Bryson DeChambeau.
0: Oh my god, I hate <laughs> that so much.
1: Perfect. And you have to sit and interview him.
0: <laughs> that is the worst. You know what? I, I bet you we could have some really good conversations, but, you know, there's a million other people I would put ahead of him.
1: Um I've seen some hate on the Red Wings practice jersey, then some real love for the Toronto awful jerseys. Be consistent with your criticism. What do you think with uh genuinely what do we think about what the Pistons are doing? Look, I'm not gonna pretend to know too much, um, but if I know of teams that need complete teardowns and building from the ground up, I think um the Lions and the Pistons and in, in my mind are two of them that stick out. Uh and the Red Wings, but that's already well underway, so I'm in favor. If it shakes things up and does something different, whatever. If it fails, at least you tried. Um, good luck, Ryan, to figure out what the hell I said here. There are a lot of edibles in my system, and I'm ADD as hell today. <laughs> yeah, I got to pay for a punctuation editor for you. <laughs> I appreciate the support, though. Uh, Wan Kenobi says, I'm going to buy a Shane Wright number 51 Red Wings jersey, and no one can stop me from wearing it after the Wings lose the lottery and pick number six. Um, Ew, Adam no, Kouser says, "Don't put the bad juju on it just yet." <laughs> says if you stack one lasagna on top of another lasagna, do you have one big lasagna
2: or two stacked ones? Uh, oh, two stacked okay. ones. Hold now. Hold on. Hold on. This is, there is a question: Are these identical lasagnas, or are they different styles of lasagna? No. Let's say identical. Then it is one big lasagna.
1: No, no, sir. The bottom the same layer of lasagna.
2: It's the same ingredients. It's a
1: double-decker sandwich is still a sandwich. The bottom of the lasagna bakes to a different consistency and chew than the middle layers. And you're going to get that in the middle of
0: it. That's two stacked lasagnas. A Big Mac is still a hamburger. What was the question? I was. If, I, I lost it amongst your dialogue. If you take one
1: lasagna and put it on top of another lasagna, is it just one big lasagna or is it two stacked
0: lasagnas? Are they baked together or not?
2: No, they're baked separately. That's the point. They're baked separately.
0: So you've got two lasagnas and you just plop one on the other. Yeah. That's two lasagnas. That's two lasagnas. That's two lasagnas. That's one big lasagna. That's a stacked lasagna.
1: Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Congrats. If they're baked together,
0: they have been joined and they're one lasagna.
2: If we're sitting at a table and someone (laughs) takes two lasagnas and they stack them and drop in the middle of us do you know who wins us we do
1: yeah because
0: that's that's a a lot of lasagna (laughs) (laughs) i'm not disappointed by it and i'm definitely not arguing the semantics i'm trying to shovel it into my face as quickly as possible
1: yeah um cody stark says with american thanksgiving coming up this week i thought i would share with the red wings world one of my most embarrassing moments uh, Wednesday Thanksgiving Eve of 2013, I was in our local small town bar and went home with my on and off girl, passed out in her bed upstairs, woke up in the middle of the night to get more water, so I headed downstairs to the kitchen. As I was looking for water, I must have decided to use the bathroom. Woke up two hours later sitting on the toilet. The upstairs layout of this house was the same as the downstairs when it came to the bathroom and the bedrooms. I left the bathroom and hopped into bed with her sleeping parents. Oh, after they screamed, I, I uh, came fully to, ran back upstairs and thought about what had just transpired. Had to walk through the kitchen the next morning as they were preparing food. And her mom said, Cody, you gave us quite a scare last night. Have a great Thanksgiving. Go Wings, I guess.
2: Oh, my God. Oh, my God.
1: Wow. I'm really impressed that you uh, made that comment from beyond the grave because I can only assume you died in that
2: moment. <laughs> oh my God. This is how I know we're living in a simulation.
1: Yeah, uh, stay fresh cheese bags of Fournier company says hey there fellows no game show this week. I'm running errands for a friend quarantine with covid reminder to everyone stay home th- this Thanksgiving. Just do it quick note on the throwbacks. The Red Wings retro jersey should have been a mock-up of the old Victoria Cougars changed my mind. What's the most grotesque injury you've ever witnessed in person at the rink. Blood, gore, guts. Blood, guts, gore, pus. See if you can make Evan gag. How long till Ryan figures out I made him say? No, you didn't make me say it. No, you did it. <laughs> uh, stay fresh. Stay fresh. Cheese bags. Um, Man, I've, injury. I've
2: seen a lot of blood. Yeah. Well, blood's not even that bad in a hockey arena. As as bad as that is to say. I mean, I've left more than a few pools of blood on the ice so that doesn't mean the worst one I seen wasn't necessarily the most gruesome it was Buddy's reaction so to try and describe it as best I can without getting too detailed a guy was coming in um, on a one on two so he had the pocket and he was coming in on our two defensemen he tried to kind of do an inside out move and split the defensemen but our defensemen kind of read it so they converged on each other Right as he was trying to shoot, I don't know why he was trying to shoot as he was in between them, but he tried to shoot. So basically his arm got extended and his arm got caught between the defensemen and the defensemen weren't perfectly even with each other. They were off centered a little bit and his arm got caught in between them. And if you're squeamish mute in three, two, one, basically snapped his arm backwards So with his Jersey and all that, we couldn't really see what happened until his teammate described it to us. Cause he was on the ice, literally screaming, uh, understandably. So when we found out what had happened, like he was just screaming. And so I, we were all like, you know, standing around, like, you know, what do we do? And, um, I was talking to one of his teammates as we were waiting around and we're like, what the hell happened? And and he explained to me like, yeah, his arms bent the wrong way. I'm like, oh my God. It was. No, thank you. That was a very unnerving night. Uh, fingers have a tendency to just break
1: a lot. And sometimes they're a little more gruesome than the other. I've seen a few finger bones. Yeah. Not fun.
0: What are you thinking? Joe, I, jumping in there? I uh, got nothing. Just a lot yeah. of blood concussions you know the usual stuff skate blades cause a lot of cuts Mm -hmm. that's a just a
2: guy on my beer league team literally two games ago fell down and got stepped on on his arm and ended up having to get a bunch of stitches right in the crease of his elbow oh yep you want to hear how dumb this guy is Uh, uh, the guy's awesome but so he plays player for my beer league team but he's normally a goalie and so because of how little hockey is going around, the whole reason he's playing player for us is because there was no team for him to go play goalie because uh, we've had a goalie for years and years. Um, and a team asked him to sub in for goalie that night. So he was planning on playing two games that night and he played two games. And then after the second game went and got the stitches in his arm.
1: Yeah, it sounds like some goalie bullshit.
2: Goalies are their own breed.
1: Joe D'Elia says, sup guys, thanks Ryan for your kind words last week. We're all pretty bunched back to normal except for the odd headache here and there. Back to our regularly scheduled routine of me asking dumb questions. Give me a player you don't want on Detroit. Not because of their contract, but maybe because you think they're severely overrated or they say dumb shit on Twitter or have an ignorant podcast. Can you guess mine? Quick one for Bradley, did you get any series one yet? As usual, thanks
2: guys. Nope, I'm still waiting on uh, my work to get our shipment of it in, so I can capitalize on that sweet, sweet discount. So that'll be hopefully this week. Uh, any players we don't want? Uh, poof. Oh, is it a cop out answer to say Brad Marchand? I would love Brad Marchand. Are you kidding me? I know, but it's Brad Marchand. I just I, if he scored, I couldn't enjoy it.
1: All of mine are, have something to do with contract. Like my immediate thought was Drew Doughty. But I don't know.
2: Okay, yeah. here here's one, and and it'll be contract-related, but because he mentioned overrated, and this was a hill I was willing to die on as it was happening. Jacob Truba. Truba I, and Myers both stick out to me. I, but the Red Wings fan base was screaming for Truba, and I remember coming on this podcast for a while saying, no, he's going to demand way too much in trade, way too much money and he is not nearly as good as everybody's making it out to be and you talk to almost any Rangers fan right now and they have serious buyer's remorse right now so I'm just saying
1: um Cnod says hey guys offseason is in full swing my entertainment had come has come from the Wings Insta and get the getting to know you questions such as Nemesnikov's something that people don't know about you answer uh, is being despite my name I can speak
2: English <laughs> I love it
1: uh anyways if today was day one of your podcast and you know what you know now what would you have done differently different approaches or just different content or whatever thanks guys love the pod
2: uh i don't know like i think a lot of it had just come through experience yeah like knowing what we know now we probably would have upgraded a lot of our audio
0: earlier we probably would have we probably adopted. went hard on social media a lot more
2: yeah a lot harder than we went on social media at the start um yeah maybe yeah like just kind of got to where we were quicker in terms of our structure in terms of what we use in terms of our equipment in terms of our schedule like we didn't go to two a week for a long long time so yeah it was it was just yeah getting everything figured out like even getting comfortable
1: like we were three strangers so that was going to take a long time no matter what um adam says i work with nothing but sparty grads i've had enough i'm now a buckeye it works i live a mile from toledo now all i need to do is learn to vandalize innocent people's cars and be insufferable (laughs) you had me in the first half there man i was like oh no um time for some reddit questions Holy moly, what a goal! He says, what's the best Christmas present you have ever uh, given and or received? Man, oh. I will say I am as untalented at receiving gifts as I am good at giving them. I love giving gifts, but I'm
2: so awful at getting them. I just don't know how to behave.
0: I don't know how to react, even if I like them.
2: Yeah, I say thank you and then try to move on as quickly as possible because I just I'm, I'm with you. It, it feels weird and awkward. Um, you know what? Cop out here. I proposed to Crystal under a Christmas tree. So I'm going to just go with that.
0: Oh, that's nice. Where um, was the gift? You were get, you were getting the gift? Because I don't know if she that was. That
2: giant rock I put on her goddamn finger was the gift.
1: Yeah. And her gift to him, which is the actual answer, was her saying yes.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. Last, my last Christmas gift to Mel, which made her, was it Christmas. yeah, Christmas. And she cried. Well, oh, she does she does that um, she has her Mel makes a mess like she does her like home improvement um, decor style all that stuff she has on her blog and her Instagram page it's called Mel makes a mess and um, the same uh, graphic designer Jess Odie who did our logo and our branding package um, I bought her the a similar thing for her blog so Jess actually did Mel's blog too. her logo and she loves it so um, cried which means I won. Evan, have you made cat cry by giving her a gift
0: I don't think so <laughs> the first half of that question is a yes we haven't done gifts in a while really? we kind of just do like last year we did stocking stuffers the year before we went on a trip like...
1: this is the first year I'm going to have a stocking in a long time we were in a stocking family
2: they're pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> stockings are fun my dogs had stockings <laughs>
1: um okay oh shoot we're past brad's bedtime here okay um evan think of a number between one and seven seven man you don't even ask you know what he's gonna do i know but now we're gonna divide it by two so it's three and a half um zesty Zucchini says do you think in 50 years the red wings will have more or less stanley cups than the toronto maple
2: leafs ah good question sorry what was the time frame there 50 years over the next 50 years, or, or like, are we talking all time because the Red Wings are starting behind Toronto right now? So, yeah, we're gonna-
1: all time, they need to make up ground on it's two cups, right? That they're behind,
2: yeah. Um, in the short term, I don't love our odds. Um, given that tr- uh, Canadian markets generally have a harder time luring and keeping talent because of how insufferable the media is, there that gives Detroit an advantage. I'm going to say more if we're looking at the long term picture here, just because it, it is legitimately harder for Canadian
0: teams. So I they mean, would have to they'd have to win four three. or three.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Assuming Toronto wins zero. So I think Assuming- Detroit could get four and I do think Toronto could get zero. <laughs> four in 50 years is pretty good. That like, that would be remarkable, but I'm only 33, and I've seen the Red Wings win four cups. So I'm hoping it repeats. It's over for
0: you, really.
2: Yeah,
1: we've technically seen more than a full lifetime's worth of Stanley Cups by the numbers.
0: Yeah,
2: if in a 32 team league, we have seen enough cups to justify living to a hundred. Uh, what 128? Yeah, yeah. So Ooh. perspective. I don't know.
1: Making Winning three cups at Toronto zero would be quite a bit. So I will say, optimistically, they'll be tied. And with that, we're going to end this episode. We will be back with uh, the patrons for a Patreon-exclusive episode midweek and with everyone on Sunday, um, unless some insane news happens that requires an emergency episode. But for now, we'd like to thank all of our listeners thank you to everyone who's supporting us thank you to all of our new patrons our name level patrons the sponsors uh arjun shanker kyle ra is this where i change my name zach spring citizen high five cody stark greech jeremiah adobo jake kiefer ryan Hanna brand wings and pizza andrew bohan scott martin jacob turner matt mckay craig kibble Brandon M, Matthew M Rice, Luke Johnson, Kaylin Wood, Hassam al Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Josh Yelton, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Trevor Pavivar, Evans Bingo Card, Michael Elsante sante Ashley Van Conant, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Afornia Company, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Quaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all so much. Uh, we will see you either halfway through the week,